guilty soul condemned by shame hear mercy calling out your name his blood can cleanse your every stain bring your failures to the Hello and welcome to the Community Bible Church Podcast, where we're doing a chapter-by-chapter weekly discussion of the book Gentle and Lowly, The Heart of Christ for Sinners and Sufferers by Dane Ortland. My name is Joseph Brader. I'm the pastor of worship and discipleship at Community Bible Church of Orange Park. And joining me again are Linda Roddy and Tracy Farthing, back for round two. They are our ladies' ministry directors here at CBC. How are you guys doing? Great. Doing well. Good. I'm excited to have another conversation with you guys. Uh, We're going to talk about chapter 20 today, our law-ish hearts and his lavish grace. And this was, we were just talking before we started recording, saying this was a little bit more dense and heavy, theologically, maybe, of a chapter than we've had in a while. Um, But there's some really good things that we can unpack and that we'll unpack together because we're still sorting through some of them. So as we try to to model for you guys what these kind of conversations coming out of this book can look like, we're actually going to have a little bit of, uh, of like give and take and, and trying to form some ideas together. <sighs> Let's get right to it. Um, Ortland says right off the bat, and then kind of sets, spends the rest of the chapter unpacking this, he says that there are two ways to live the Christian life, either for the heart of Christ or from the heart of Christ. What is the difference? What do those two things mean? When we live for the heart of Christ, we are more dependent on our own strength mm-hmm. and our, our own capabilities and it's we can tend to feel that our performance is what merits his love if we obey more he loves us more yep. whereas on the flip side from it it's all his grace it's it's he's in us he's with us he's for us yeah well, there, okay, we don't need to unpack anything else. We'll wrap it up for this week. We are good. Linda <laughs> explained it all. Yeah, that was great and succinct and helpful. Yeah. Yeah, Tracy, do you have any thoughts to kind of add to that? No, I no? do not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that was great. I, when I was reading this, I kept thinking about these terms, indicatives and imperatives. People will talk about that. I heard it first, and I've heard it a lot from Matt Chandler, who's one of my favorite uh, preachers outside of our local church to listen to. Uh, he pastors a church in Dallas, Texas. But he'll, he'll talk about indicatives and imperatives. Indicatives being things that are objectively true. Like These are gospel realities. What Jesus has done, who we are in Christ, our identity, that kind of thing. He, and imperatives then are the things that we are to do. Imperatives like like a command. You're being told to do something, called to do something. And he says we've always got to get the indicatives before the imperatives. The indicatives always precede the imperatives. That's the difference of living for the heart of Christ or from the heart of Christ. Mm-hmm. Living from the heart of Christ says, I understand the heart of Christ. These are the indicatives. Here's the gospel. Here's who Jesus is. Here's what he's done. Here's who I am. Now that pushes me towards something in, uh, in response the imperatives towards obedience, rather than, Linda, as you really helpfully said, thinking that what I do is going to earn the heart or the love of God, which is dangerous and wrong, yeah, extraordinarily harmful, it's bondage, really. So in this chapter, he talks about that as a legal spirit, Mm -hmm. right? So living for the heart of Christ, which he said was a fancy 18th century way. He was quoting John Newton who, uh, of course, wrote Amazing Grace. And John Newton talked about a legal spirit. He said that's just a fancy 18th century way to say legalism as we know it today. 
What are some ways uh, that a legal spirit manifests itself in your life and in your thinking? Well, I know for myself, if I've had a bad day, haven't mm-hmm. handled something well, uh, it's, a, it's a struggle to go and pray or I feel like a hypocrite mm-hmm. if I try to read um, the Bible or things, you know, spiritual things. And it's, it's a constant struggle to remind myself that regardless of what I have done, God's love for me has not changed. Yeah. He tells me to come right, right. with those things. Yeah. It's, it's really ironic, I guess, but not surprising that we, we run from the one who already knows what oh, we've done. Oh, my goodness. Right. And yeah. tells us to come. I thought of... Uh, the hymn we sang I sang Rock of Ages was it last week uh, yeah I mean I guess when um, when we're releasing this it will have been two or three weeks ago okay so but on Father's Day yeah nothing in my hands I bring mm-hmm. simply to that cross I cling and if that's true then anything that we've done right cannot should not keep us from the Lord yeah yeah you know we say things like that sing things like that and think of them as sort of self-deprecating which they are I mean they humble us but it's actually really uplifting isn't it Yes. <laughs> if we understand correctly that nothing we could ever do can make us right or more right or closer to right or whatever with God, to say nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling is actually one of the most restful and encouraging and joyful things I can possibly say. Yeah. Uh, Linda, how about for you? That is such a good question that I, I thought on it because it's even like in the book it says, we, we tell ourselves, oh, we know legalism is wrong. Right, we know yep. Phariseeism mm-hmm. is not the way to go. And yet I can still think, okay, I have to measure my capabilities. I have to measure what mm. am I bringing to the table. Yeah. And especially as a wife, as a mother, as a friend or someone ministering mm-hmm. in the church, in, in some ways I can feel it has to be perfect which is so comical you know and he even says in the book that the slightest failure then torpedoes the whole process yep and we aren't going to be perfect yep. and yet we have this expectation and it's it it's just wrong on our part yeah. we are given great strengths and different capabilities but again it's exactly i love how you worded it it's for his glory then yeah it's not not to show that we're a failure or we have to do it perfectly. Right. We're freed to do it for the reasons that we we're supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think for me, it's it takes elements, I think, of maybe what both of you have talked about. Um, and, yeah, I tend to think the same thing. Like, everything kind of has to be perfect for it to count, right? And so I'm, I'm constantly trying to burrow so deep inward that I almost lose track of what's reality and what's not. And I'm trying to think, you know, were, were you, what were your motives really when you did that? Where Was there a, was there a little corner of that that was, there's always mixed motives for us, we're human. So then I'm trying to unpack that. Then I'm repenting of that. But then, here's where it shows up again. Then it shows up in my repentance. You know, he said uh, several chapters back, something about we even need to repent of our repenting. Mm-hmm. That was really helpful for me to read. Because then I think, have I, have I actually repented of my mixed motives fully enough? Because then, then it probably doesn't count. Because God says, like, walk in the light, repent, confess, do all this stuff. So what if what if you don't have the right perspective? Or what if you're trying to shield yourself from yourself and all this stuff? That's where it shows up for me. Yes. And I start thinking, well, then it doesn't count. 
this is funny, but when, when I was struggling with assurance a lot early as a Christian, yeah. and Sam said to me one time, you're worse than you think you are. And I was yeah. like, well, thanks a lot. Right, and you're like, well, and great. That, but his point was, you have no idea. Yes, yes. And there's nothing you can do to, to get it all together before Jesus is going to love you. He yep. loves you and knowing all of it, everything. Yep, yeah, I, exactly. And we don't have to. We're never going to. I, we don't want to. I mean, honestly, right. I have times where I, where I pray and I'm like, Lord, I know that there is sin in me that I don't even know about. And I'm not even sure I want to. Would you just take it away and, like, let's just go forward? I mean, I saw someone, I don't even remember who this pastor was. It was literally just a suggested post on Instagram one day, months ago, I was scrolling. And he said something to the effect of, God doesn't reveal to us the depths of our sin. And that's gracious because none of us could mm -hmm. come close to handling mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Uh, but that's where, that's where I get a legal spirit. Mm -hmm. Is I look so far inward and question everything and say, if I haven't done it perfectly, or if there's a smidge of a mixed motive or self-protection or whatever, uh, self-exaltation, then uh, all of this is for nothing. Thank God that's just not the case. Yes. His grace and his mercy. He's rooting those things out of us. But um, he's doing it at his pace and in his way, and, and he's not destroying us on the way, although we can destroy ourselves. How does a legal spirit kill our sense of Christ's heart for us? Mm -hmm. This question so falls on the heels of what you were just transparent about. It, it, it actually stops us from being God's workmanship, doing right. things for his glory. Yeah. We're then filled with disappointment or mm -hmm. filled with worry or frustration and we actually stop on our tracks and become self-focused and we totally again forget his heart mm -hmm. his incredible patience his he he's there in us like I said and for us we yeah. forget that so yes. it is such a little killer to everything for Christ instead of pushing us on like he said to do the works of Christ right yeah for sure I was thinking about 2 Corinthians 5 while I was reading this, uh, this chapter. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 says, For the love of Christ controls us. Some translations say compels us. Um, because we've concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. That is living from the heart of Christ. That's that's the answer to the way that the legal spirit kills our sense of Christ's heart for us. Because it says to us, you don't serve because, you don't do something because of the love of Christ, the love of God for you in Christ that's demonstrated in the gospel. You do it for some other reason. You do it to earn, you do it some other, some other reason. And I've had points in my life, and I, I was here in a unique, a different way than I have been in the past, just within the last maybe year and a half or so, where I had almost lost the category to personally internalize while I while I still believed and could honestly say like the love of Christ compels you to do this. I had almost lost that internally and I it was operating out of so much of a sense I think of fear and and self-dependence that I would read that and go I'm not I'm not sure I can I'm not sure I know how to operate with the love of Christ compelling me. I have to look at something be compelled by this sense of fear or you know what what have you. And I think that's a, sadly, normal experience for Christians. Mm -hmm. But I don't mean to monopolize. Tracy, did you have any, any thoughts? I, didn't, I just, you know, skipped right past. Um, I just thought of, again, when we, when we sin, it's so tempting to withdraw. 
Yes. And yes, um, which always. does kill what we're talking about. Yep. Kill that sense. And I thought of in Hebrews chapter four, and he's talked about this earlier in the book, where it talks about Jesus who was tempted in every respect yet without sin. And yep. then it says, Let us then or therefore mm-hmm. with confidence yeah. draw near draw to near. the throne. Yep. And why? So that we can receive mercy and find help yep. in time of need. And so instead of mm. trying to earn it and yes. failing and then withdrawing, which is defeats the whole purpose. He's telling us, come to me, come with confidence, yeah. and I'll give you the mercy and the help that you need. Yep. Yeah. And that's that's awesome. You guys have so many great and important and gospel-rich thoughts to contribute. I'm just going to stop doing the podcast. You guys just do it the rest of the <laughs> summer. I'm, I'm out. You do the last four chapters. I mean, this is great. Seriously. Only if you let us sing. You can absolutely sing. You want to sing right now? Certainly. <clears throat> Here we go. No, I mean, we've got, we're surrounded by instruments. We can make this happen. <laughs> uh, we are in my office. This is where we record, which is set up about the way you would expect for a worship pastor's office, I think, to be set up. So there's recording equipment and instruments and speakers and microphones all over the place. But we will not um, play music or sing for you today. How does a right understanding, I think we're circling this, so this is really mm-hmm. just maybe putting the, like, the point on it, but how does a right understanding of the gospel help us to live from the heart of Christ instead of for the heart of Christ? Our author uses Galatians 2.20, mm-hmm. it's not I who mm-hmm. live, but Christ in yeah. me. So therefore, even taking the last chapter by grace, yeah. what we say, because of God's mercy, so by grace, we are in the temple of the Most High God. Yes. By so. grace, He's producing in us. And again, I go back to your sermon from Ezekiel 37. He, It's his power in us mm-hmm. that is producing that. So a right understanding of that, it's, it's so good what Tracy shared. It doesn't stop us. It does compel us. Right. Because yeah. he is so worth serving and loving and speaking like you even said in your sermon I mean it affects our emotions it affects our speech it affects our works yeah so a right thinking of who this precious Savior is compels us to live rightly right yeah and and it is it is that right understanding of his love and his grace that's what drives us to greater sanctification We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but there's this tendency to think, let's not talk too much about love and grace and mercy because then we're not going to take sin seriously. But fear is a terrible motivator, not just spiritually and theologically, really across the board. I mean, um, let's just remove it from church speak entirely. Uh, In any any corporate setting, in uh, government and economic systems, whatever, any guru or what, what have you will tell you fear is a terrible motivator. It'll work for a little while, but it's a terrible motivator for long-term sustained change or success or whatever you're pursuing. Um, much better is love, buy-in, um, the community, that kind of thing. And that's what the gospel offers to us. It says, here is the love of God. Here's the invitation of God as he welcomes you in grace and mercy. Now go and live. The indicative driving the imperative. And then it also enables us to to love freely mm. others, you know, demonstrating yeah. a gospel love to others because we're more and more aware of the gospel love that Christ has, yes. has for us. Yes. 
So. Yes, Ephesians 4, loved people, love people, and forgiven people, forgive people. Like That's yes. what happens. Mm-hmm. We, the more we understand what God has done for us and who he is to us and towards us, we're going to reflect that to other people. Um, we image God in a fuller way, mm-hmm. which is what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an excellent point, an excellent sort of implication of the things that we're talking about. And, you know, we will say often that a truly gospel-centered, gospel-saturated community is going to be an incredibly gracious and vulnerable mm-hmm. community for mm-hmm. this very reason. Yeah. Any other closing thoughts, comments, or anything? No? Yeah, All right. Since we can't sing. But yeah, ahead. you know. We'll, we'll talk. Maybe we'll maybe come back and do time. something else. Maybe, maybe next year. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for, uh, for joining me for these couple of conversations on uh, these two chapters. It's been really helpful. It's been encouraging to me. Uh, I hope it has for you guys, and I hope it is for you who are listening as well. Uh, we're going to wrap up the conversation for today, but uh, I do want to say we're getting towards the end of, uh, of this book and of this podcast. Um, there are, I believe, four more chapters, maybe three more chapters. I should know that number. Three more. There's three more chapters. I do know that. And then we're going to have one more wrap-up sermon. Or, my goodness. It's been a week, guys. One more wrap-up podcast after Pastor Matt is back in the office from his sabbatical. And we're going to talk through uh, some of the objections that have been brought up uh, towards this book uh, and just deal with those things and try to answer, answer some questions biblically and think through some things like that. But as we get towards the end, we have talked about continuing on with the podcast. There's been more interest than we had initially anticipated, which we're thankful for. So we're talking about what, doing what would amount to a second season. Uh, late, starting later this year. But we want your help, if you are listening, to figure out if, uh, if you actually want to hear more of us. So if we're doing a second season, we're pretty much going to do listener Q&A. So the way we're going to gauge interest in a second season is whether or not you send us questions that we could answer in a second season. So we need your help to figure out whether to, uh, to continue this. Um, if it's a good and helpful discipleship resource for our church, then we are absolutely con- going to continue doing it. So if you're listening and you're interested in, uh, in having a second season and keeping the podcast going, would you just think through and send in a question or questions that you might have? Uh, this can be related to theological and biblical things, church and ministry things, theology and culture, all sorts of different things. Anything, any questions that you have about how does the Bible speak to this or theology speak to this, we would love to hear from you. And, uh, and if there is interest, we will carry on and we'll answer some of those questions in season two of this podcast. But thanks for listening. I hope that you are uh, being spurred on to further conversations, gospel conversations, uh, as, you, as we go and as we read this book together. And let me close by once again reading Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Oh